episode 186 of Retro Encounter, RPG Fans Off-Topic podcast, and this is RPG Villains. <laughs> I'm Mike Solosi, I'm your host for today. Uh, in May we're doing something very special, I am selfishly going to rip off the, uh, the formats and content of three of my favorite podcasts, and today we are doing an RPG Villains episode... Uh, based on the Villains podcast hosted by Shay Serrano of the Ringer Podcast Network. Now, in Shay's podcast, he talks about a different movie villain in every episode and uh, with two panelists that are his very smart friends. So I'm here with two other very smart friends of mine. First, a son of a submariner, Zach Wilkerson. Hey there. And another whose dulcet tones are lovelier than a thousand people screaming in unison, Steph Sabitlow. <laughs> you were going to do like some cool villain theme thing but that was just perfectly balanced between hurtful and nice right <laughs> yep I built up the self confidence and then I hurt their feelings I'm just a complete monster but anyway <laughs> in each of the uh, the villains po- podcasts hosted by Shay he breaks down a single movie villain and in today's podcast, we are focusing on a single individual villain from RPG history. And after some brief uh, consulting with uh, other RPG fan people, we thought the best first attempt was Kefka Palazzo from Final Fantasy VI. Now, uh, Kefka is one of the most iconic villains of the Super Nintendo era of RPGs. I hope you're familiar with him because we are going to spoil the hell out of Final Fantasy VI in this podcast. And possibly a few other Final Fantasy games as well if we're comparing Kefka to others. Before we really get into the meat of the discussion, I'm going to recap what Kefka does in Final Fantasy VI and go over you know a lot of the plot of Final Fantasy VI. Um, the game starts out as a conflict in which an empire ruled by Emperor Gestal is basically attempting to conquer the world, uh, helped along by technology called Magitech. The Magitech is you know uh, steal, basically stealing magic powers from beasts called Espers and infusing them in humans and uh, using them in technology. Kefka was a... God, humans, find your own resources. Right? No kidding? (laughs) What? Kefka was a Magitek experiment in which uh, um, Magitek energy was put into a human, and it gave him with uh, prodigious magic powers, but also left him basically criminally insane. And uh, Kefka is... Wait, they do not tell you that plot point they very do. adequately. They, they don't. Um, it's they... very brief, yeah. It is brief, yeah. And yeah. I think that's a big thing, because like, this guy does not have much history. If you ask around in Vector, both during the... Uh, uh, during the sort of dinner party scene and before you inv- uh, you infiltrate the Magitek research facility, a few people will talk about how Kefka was a like a promising soldier or, or uh, like a promising young mind or something, and he yeah. and he was a uh, you know the, the chosen as maybe the either an early candidate or the first candidate for Magitek uh, experimentation and other. Um, later candidates for that, like random soldiers that can cast magic spells in the game, or characters like Celeste, uh, did not have the insane side effects that affected Kefka. But, anyway, Kefka's elevated to a general in the army. He's sort of the right-hand man of Emperor Gestal. Uh, he uses the... Um, final, one of Final Fantasy's main characters... Uh, sorry, Final Fantasy VI's main characters, Terra, as a slave. As she has naturally, uh, naturally gifted magic powers. And then when she frees herself of slavery. Uh, Kefka is for a long time trying to kidnap Terra back, and he is uh, he uses Magitek technology in order to try and you know 
subjugate various towns and kingdoms throughout the game. He famously poisons the entire water supply of the kingdom of Doma, oh. killing oh, every uh, killing everyone except for uh, one knight. You can hear the music now. Oh yeah. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's very pleasant, sort of like a like Japanese flute, sort of woodwind main voice in that in that song. It's a great song. I'll, maybe I'll pipe at that in here right now. You uh, have to. <laughs> maybe I have to. And uh, but eventually Kefka answers to his crimes and is imprisoned within uh, within the Vector prison, only to have been revealed it was a ruse. He ends up, uh, him and Gestal were secretly plotting to uh, use to continue exploiting Espers. They kill General Leo, one of the like the only nice person in the entire empire. And <laughs> really, just they really had it out for him. It's like. Yep. <laughs> And, and, <laughs> it's a nice one. We can't. We gotta kill a bunch of people. We gotta off this guy. He's got too many yeah. morals. Not before teasing us with how awesome he is in battle, too. Oh, we we will talk about we will talk about Leo later. I promise. <laughs> okay. Was there and, another one of those like childhood uh, like rumors where it's like you can keep playing as him if you do this? Oh yeah, yeah like yeah. Eris. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> rumors like uh, like you can, you can revive Leo and have him join your party in the second half, or Leo uh, Gogo's true identity was a uh, was a amnesiac Leo. There's a lot of that. I think Gogo's true identity is Daryl. Daryl or fa- or a fallen emperor guest all or a fallen or a uh, abandon that has lost his memory. I've heard all of them. Don't worry about it. But anyway, back to Kefka. Uh, he and Gestal are about to rule the world from a floating continent using uh, very powerful relics called the uh, the Warring Triad, which are three statues that you know can hold or wield all of the magic power in the world. Uh, Kefka betrays Gestal on the floating continent, um, messes the, up with the alignment of the statues, becomes a magic wielding uh, overpowered god, and then. Scars the entire face of the earth with an apocalyptic uh, magic attack, and that separates the main he, party. Like, chars everything. Yeah, I love it. The whole world goes from green to gray. Dark stuff. <laughs> and, and, no, and I love like yeah the 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 more detailed like battle background art where it's just everything is desolate, dry, and awful. And even for pixels, it's pretty powerful stuff. Yeah, yeah. See, seeing the entire world state and world map change in uh, at the midpoint of Final Fantasy VI is really powerful, and yeah. it. Uh, um, there's a big, huge uh, hope and despair metaphor in Final Fantasy VI. It's like uh, Terra. They ask Terra if, if she can be the ray of light of hope, and she's not sure. And then Leo is Leo is a beacon of hope, trying to end the war and unite the uh, people and Espers together. And then Kefka murders that light of, light of hope and creates despair all around the world. And then the light of hope that re- that reunites the party and saves the world ends up being Celeste and not Terra. And in the second half of the game. You uh, control one of Final Fantasy VI's other main characters, Celeste, and sort of bring the band back together one by one, and eventually ca- challenge Kefka at Kefka's tower. But Celestina. Uh, yes, but for an a, uh, an indeterminate amount of time, <laughs> after Kefka sort of becomes a god and uh, bla- and you know reigns magic death all over the world, uh, he sort of becomes a mega maniacal dictator. Uh, destroying towns sort of on whims, eventually wiping out all of Narsh and most of Mobliz. Uh, Mo- the only people remaining in Mobliz after Kefka attacks them are one young teenage couple and several children. But So Kefka commits all kinds of atrocities, but eventually he's defeated at the very top of his tower, but with, the d- with his death, um, all of the magic in the world leaves because he had sort of absorbed it all into himself from the Warring Triad. Uh, so, that is a very abridged <laughs> telling of Final Fantasy VI, uh, focusing on the role of the main villain Kefka, but 
before I we go into these um, Shay, and, Shay Serrano inspired questions I have prepared, I want to go over four unusual facts about Kefka that I uh, that I did a little bit of research ahead of to prepare. Um, first of all, in a few places, including the his uh, text in Dissidia, Kefka loves mirrors and is obsessed with his appearance. And if you fight a Kefka versus Kefka match in Dissidia, they the two Kefkas complement each other on their appearance. <laughs> so that is interesting. Um, I thought the uh, Dissidia voice actor did a pretty great job trying to did. do a laugh. Oh yeah, yeah. And, he, and they even sneak in a lot of a uh, yeah they sneak in a lot of interesting Kefka quotes into that. Like like oh you'll be well done whenever he casts a fire spell. That's a Dissidia is a good game before they ruined it on the PS4. Yeah, uh, and also in the original Final Fantasy VI, both on SNES and uh, PS1 and GBA, you can find dummied stats and equipment for Kefka, suggesting that at one point he was at least viewable in some kind of uh, menu window. But they ultimately didn't go forward with that plan. And if you try to hack Kefka into your game, it'll just crash. Uh, th- uh, thirdly, Kefka in the Japanese version of Final Fantasy VI uses multiple different pronouns for himself. Uh, he says Watashiwa sometimes, which is a very neutral uh, male or female pronoun. He sometimes says Bokuchin, which is a like uh, a young boy's kind of pronoun that like little kids would say. And also, he frequently uses Ore-sama, which is like a very arrogant, like you know. Uh, maybe a lot of the times a, a villain in a video game would use Oresama. But because he switches between all three of them, uh, suggests he's very unstable, obviously. And the Bokuchin pronoun suggests that sometimes he's acting like a bratty kid throwing tantrums. I love that. So, yeah, the, so, <laughs> awesome. the, so, yeah, so the, those, the use of the different pronouns make Kefka seem like a real imbalanced personality, and uh, that's something I did not know until I did a little bit of side research yeah. for this podcast. So I'm, 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 I am was pretty excited by that. And lastly, the last... Uh, brief interesting fact about Kefka is that oh, he, the I think second or third scene you see him in is when he's walking to Castle Figaro in a in a desert he, I'm sorry he's accompanied by two soldiers and at one this point this is his first scene I think yeah yeah I, I think you might see him in the flashback in a flashback scene oh, okay, uh, like, like with, with t- when Tara has her slave crown or something but I'm not 100% sure uh, but th- this is the first scene you see him live uh, he's accompanied by two soldiers, and he says, "Ahem, there's sand in my boots," which is, of course, there is because he's in a walking in a desert. And then they, and then the two soldiers nervously dust off his boots. That scene was not in the script. That was ad libbed during a reading or revision, and then put in, and then uh, put into the game when they started sort of building the game. And they decided, and because of that scene, they decided, you know, we need to make Kefka more crazy, more arrogant, more over the top, and eventually. They ended up expanding his role to main final villain of Final Fantasy VI when maybe in the in the first run of the script that was not the case. So that first scene, not in the original script, but eventually became sort of a key establishment scene for all of Kefka's uh, for Kefka's entire character, and I think it's one of the more memorable scenes in the game. Yeah. So we've gone over this a little bit already, but I want to ask both of you, what was your first impression of Kefka or first reaction to Kefka when you were playing this game? Just you try to put yourself back at that age, which for me, I think was, uh, I was 11 or 12 years old. Yeah. Uh, straight up. I'm too young to remember that. <laughs> but, but so, so what's an early impression or, or first reaction to Kefka in game for either of you? Uh, Zach, you go first. I, I mean, I, I think that you, you talked about that first scene and it early on, he seems like he's just kind of goofy and I, and he is uh, of course throughout the rest of the game, but you know, nothing really prepares you for um, what is to come with him later on. I mean, like the first moment where you really get a feel for how insane he is, is that Doma moment where he poisons everyone. So it, it was, 
it, I was constantly shocked by him, uh, which I think was one of the great things about the game. Yeah, he starts out almost goofy or silly, but then he his insanity just escalates. Yeah. So, um, Steph, what was your an early impression you had of Kefka? I guess I just liked him. Like again, I feel like I've just known this game for so long. I don't even know what to say about it anymore, to be honest. Yeah, uh, I mean, I no, mean... like I, I've always thought he was really, really impressive, though, for what it's worth. Like just in terms of, I don't know, design, concept, conceit. Yeah. Um, you know, and of course, he's always infamously tied to being the one who succeeds. Yeah, he gets away with, um, you know, his goal of wanton destruction and despair, and becomes a, a near omnipotent god, which I think was his goal from the beginning. Yeah, yeah, I don't think there's any way he would have gotten away with it if he didn't seem so goofy. You know, like it's like it's like you're not seeing it coming, you're not seeing it coming, and it doesn't seem like <laughs> within the realm of possibility uh, by the time he does it. And um, I basically agree with Steph that, uh, because he accomplishes his goal, that makes him seem more threatening and more impressive. Yeah. 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 Really, that's what it is. <laughs> It's kind of a shame, though, like, you know, because I do think about it and I do like it. But I guess at this point, like, I kind of just want more at this point. So, uh, like, I wish the game did, you know, go back into his story a bit more. And I wish there was more material there. I wish there was more, like, context. Because in the whole second half, he's just kind of missing. He's just up in his tower doing his thing. So I kind of yeah, there... like almost a lost opportunity to get to know him better. Yeah, we we don't get a lot into Kefka's backstory. We mentioned that you have to sort of dig deep a little bit into dialogue and vector to hear anything at all about it. And in the <laughs> and in the second half of the game, there's basically no direct interaction with Kefka from and the scene on, Yeah, 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 from the scene on the floating <laughs> continent until the very last battle of the game. I mean, I think that's one of the things that makes him really terrifying though. Like he's so like unmoored from logic or reality and I and again, obviously he's heavily inspired by the Joker. Um and you know, you don't really get clear backstories with him a lot of the time either and I think that um, sort of not knowing um, what it is that's the cause. I mean, we can write it off as like, you know, it's the insanity of Magitek, and that's, that's certainly part of it, but like the, he doesn't have, I think that's part of what makes him so scary. It's just he, he doesn't seem to have, to be connected to logic or backstory or motivations, just insanity. Yeah. They do not attempt to, you know, curry favor with the audience about Kefka. <laughs> they, they, they don't yeah, try to, they don't try to make him... Uh, relatable, maybe slightly tragic because you know that his personality might stem from that experimentation, but but nothing like uh, you, you like you don't feel for him or root for him by the end of the game or at really at any point of the game. No, but... <laughs> and that's pretty good though. Is that yeah they you know like some of them do try to go for the you know redeemable complicated villain. Now he's Kafka's just crap all the way through. He's just a terrible human being. We'll, uh, get, right. we'll, we'll get to his redeeming qualities or irredeemable qualities a little bit later, but I have a different question for you right now. Um, what do you think is the worst thing Kefka accomplishes in Final Fantasy VI? I, I have a couple suggestions, um, so I want to go over those first, and then if you have more, please add on to me. Uh, so I, I have five candidates for Kefka's worst act in Final Fantasy VI. First, um, enslaving Terra and having her murder 300 Imperial soldiers. He has used a device called the Slave Crown to rob Terra of her will completely, and then he has her use her fire magic to, in basically a test to murder 300 soldiers. They meant, uh, Biggs and Wedge mentioned that right near the beginning of Final Fantasy VI. Uh, second is uh, poisoning Doma. He poisons the water supply at Doma during a sort of imperial siege at the castle, and uh, it kills everyone in Doma besides Cayenne, who ends up joining the main party of Final Fantasy VI. How did he survive? 
Um, you know, I think he just hadn't had a drink of water in a while because I think it, he was asleep. I think he was asleep, wasn't he? Is it just because he's stronger than most? Should we, should we just settle that he's? <laughs> you know, I don't have a good the best lungs in the kingdom as well. I don't have a good answer for this because he wakes <laughs> he wakes up. You control him briefly, and he attacks some. Uh, he fights off some imperial soldiers, and then he's sort of at, on the castle ramparts, saying, "Hey, the water looks funny. What's going on?" And then everyone else in Doma just collapses one by one. And uh, and tragically, Cayenne uh, like hustles back to the castle, and the king is dying, and his wife and and son are already dead. That's a real tragic scene. Cayenne's entire arc is uh, is tragic. But continuing yeah. on, the worst things Kefka does: uh, murdering Leo at the uh, at the village of um, of Mage Warriors. Yet there's a sort of a summit where Leo and other sympathetic people within the Empire, are meeting with some representatives from the Espers and some representatives from your main party. But uh, Kefka makes a surprise return and kills Leo, absorbs uh, several Espers into his body as Magicite, and just basically just, co- is just commits atrocity after atrocity before uh, you know leaving on the floating continent. And, uh, and again, the, the scene where he kills Leo, Leo is like the best, the nicest character in the whole game he's he's trying to reach out kefka uh sorry tara might have a crush on him uh that goes into you know fan speculation territory but uh (laughs) but i I think uh kefka killing leo was really um one example in this game of despair triumphing over hope which and again i I think final fantasy 6 is full of hope metaphors so i thought that was important and the fourth uh, thing Kefka does... I um, never really thought about that. Yeah, like they kind of start oh, off yeah. strong, then they kind of take it all away from you, and then the rest of it's kind of fighting for it back. Oh yeah, and they they have the whole Pandora's box mm-hmm. uh, discussion early in the game where, they, where the returners ask Terra to be the light of hope. I, I, I think there's a lot of hope and despair metaphors in Final Fantasy VI in general. But uh, the next bad thing that Kefka does is uh, killing Gestal, the one, his you know one ally in the whole world, and then destroying the Earth by by disrupting the position of the Warring tri- Triad and absorbing all their powers into him. That's a, that's pretty bad. And then <laughs> uh, pretty bad. Yeah, and then yeah. the the last what did you do that for <laughs> and the... a mess and well, a ruckus. Oh, and it, it only continues because the last thing I have on this short list is um, sort of his rule during the World of Ruin part of the game, where he uses his you know just big blast of magic called the Light of Judgment to destroy multiple cities. Uh, sort of his whole rule um, in the second half of the game I have as his. Uh, final bad act. So do you have anything to add that Kefka does over the course of the game that could be a candidate for worst thing? No, I think you covered basically all of it. And like, I just get upset that, you know, ah, you know what? I am actually kind of sad that this kind of stuff is stuck on the SNES. I wish I could see this, you know, acted out bigger. (laughs) Uh, Zach, any suggestions to add to the list? I don't think so. No, I think you covered, you covered mine and I, any of the ones that I could think of. Oh, so you, you, you have one. What do you think is the worst thing that he did? I, this is not the worst thing you did, but the the way uh, – obviously, I think the worst thing you did is probably destroy the world. But for me, it's that Doma <laughs> moment because um, it's so shocking um, and, and it's so like – he's so gleeful about it. And I think that what makes I really like the way it, they kind of animated that scene too. Yeah, uh, and, and and you get to see like all the like all the individuals actually falling and then with Kyan um, sort of being there and having to watch it and how horrible that has to be for him. And then, you know, his – um, sort of side Dude, quest later. A, a military base to go right. fight everybody. <laughs> right. And then uh, and, and, <laughs> and, Kef- and Kefka's weird, creepy music playing as the uh, people yeah. fall one by one instead of the very regal Doma music. 
Right. Uh, yeah, for me, I, 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 it's not the worst thing, but it's certainly the thing that like hit me the hardest um, as, as I'm playing. Um, I played it again about a year ago, and that was the, the moment that I remember being like super shocked by. Certainly, I think the worst thing you did is probably, you know, ruin the world, though. Yeah, I don't know. It's a bit of a <laughs> So, Steph, what do you think is the worst thing Kefka did in Final Fantasy VI? He ruined the world. <laughs> what do you want me to say? What does he have to do? <laughs> okay, so just to add to that, like you know it, so that and then he sort of gets super duper you know uh become a nihilist where like he yeah. he's done all this he's achieved it all and he just doesn't care he became a god and he doesn't care he just wants to destroy more yeah it, it sounds like he only wants to you know destroy and and watch and watch people suffer for uh in so in his, now that now that he's an omnipotent near god point of ruling the world if you can't party with anybody <laughs> <laughs> well i i i don't know I, I basically agree with steph i think the worst thing that he did was about the parties uh, well okay of course um but parties are always fun when you're you know just not in a room by yourself or in his uh case a tower alone by yourself except for three statues and monsters you've created for yourself but um i, I but i think the shot most shocking <laughs> the Atma weapon is a, is a real mofo, <laughs> let me tell you. I, um, I think the worst thing he did, maybe objectively, is uh, destroy and scar the face of the entire world. But I think that the more shocking moments for me are the Doma poisoning and killing Leo. Because yeah. like, I, I really, the first time I played the game, I really, I, I really thought that... Uh, I think the killing Leo is what starts the train of events where things go really downhill. Yeah, yeah. Th- that was a shocking yeah, moment to me. Yeah, they kind of pull that one on you. And, and they they also communicate how strong Leo is by letting you use him a couple times in battle, and he's awesome. And then he, right. and then he gets completely wiped out by uh, still not enough by Kefka. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, who doesn't play this game and and want to use Leo for more than just you know three fights with that right. with that uh, that shock attack on his uh, on on his sword? That's I, I wished I could have used shock later in the game, and I think I think you can with like one of Gao's rages, but that's it. But so anyway, yeah, those are uh, a few of Kefka's truly evil accomplishments. Um, but now let's go the other direction. Uh, this section is called "Maybe He Had a Point." <laughs> is, is there anything that we can do to justify Kefka's actions, or say that he did, he he was justified in anything that he did? Now this is we maybe... need more societal outreach for people with severe mental disturbances. <laughs> uh. Yes, we do. But um, speaking in Kefka in particular, I don't know exactly how many of his actions are defendable or justifiable. Uh, did you guys have any ideas on this? No. Uh, I mean, no. I mean, at the end, I think he goes through this sort of um, like discussion of like how like humans build just for things to be destroyed, and like he's just like a sort of like a and Steph mentioned this earlier, like a pure vision of like nihilism. And I guess if like you're taking that to its logical conclusion, like none of it matters, so why not? Um, but that that's not really good enough. <laughs> so no, he does not have. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, I mean, he's a, he's a dangerous psychopath, and that's you know the reason that's as much reasoning as they're willing to provide for most of his actions. The one thing I sort of think that he does that makes some sense is killing Gestal at the top of the floating continent, because Gestal was maybe just as much of a megalomaniac as Kefka was, and he wasn't. And I think at one, my theory is that Kefka wanted to rule, wanted to be all-powerful, and knew that Gestal would not let him do that. And maybe Gestal even would not tolerate Kefka at one point. Uh, so I, I think that Kefka stopping or killing Gestal made sense 
in Kefka's very selfish mindset, and I, I didn't mind that nearly as much as a lot of the other horrible things he does. But beyond beyond uh, killing Gestalda, you know, so he can do his own thing, th- there's nothing defensible about what, Kef- about what Kefka does. I agree. I, yeah, like I said, I mean, as a as sort of like a vision of a particular philosophy, but that's it. I mean, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And now uh, for what Shea Serrano calls the Jason Statham question. Just like Jason Statham in the Fast and Furious series, he becomes a an, a uh, companion or accomplice or even a hero uh, shockingly quickly after being a villain in that series. <laughs> um, is there a chance Kefka could be rehabilitated? Is there a scenario, if certain plot, cha- plot points were to change, that he could have joined the heroes instead of becoming the game's ultimate villain? Do you have any ideas on this? Uh, I think the answer is no, uh, but uh, not give maybe, much of a chance for you to open up to him. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe to take down Gestal, maybe that, that that's about it. I, I can't and think of any other circumstances. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, I basically agree. Like if if Gestal had been the one to become an all powerful god, all powerful god, god, and then he cast Kefka down, then maybe Kefka could have joined the team. But I don't think. Really, there's any other circumstance. He, uh, he Kefka's insane and dangerous and has done horrible things, including two characters <laughs> that are leading your party. So uh, I, I think he's pretty much beyond rehabilitation. Uh, and that that whole guest all thing is about as devil's advocate as we possibly can get on this podcast. <laughs> yep. Yep. Okay, so I never heard about this thing that you base this on until now. So yeah, these are the general questions that they ask each time, eh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a um, again, Chase Serrano's Villains Podcast is a great podcast where they yeah. break down and analyze a movie villain in every episode. I cannot wait for season two. And I'm, I I'm, can't I'm, wait I'm... to do this with other villains because I feel this one is a bit of a crapshoot in terms of like. <laughs> Yeah, he's bad. He's just rotten to the core. Some, you know, some men just want to watch the world burn, Mister Blaine. Yeah, I mean, the whole Joker as agent of chaos and Joker lacking a backstory a lot of the time fits in with Kefka very well. Yeah, absolutely. And some, you know, stories where Kefka, do- I'm sorry, where the Joker does have a backstory, like in the first Tim Burton back- Batman movie, or in uh, Alan Moore's Killing Joke comic book. Uh, or in the the Joker movie that's upcoming, I I think those diminish the Joker a little bit because whenever yeah. like the the, uh, the more human you make him seem, the less of a force of nature he becomes. And uh, and I say this as someone who has read probably too much Batman over the years, but <laughs> but uh, I would put Kevin the same. The doctors this... will come to your door. It's too much, Michael. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> but Joker comparisons aside. Uh, Kefka is an agent of chaos. He definitely can't be rehabilitated. And let's go on to Shea Serrano's next classic question. What uh, he offers is an excellent final boss theme and a pretty sick design for 2D sprite work. Yeah. Which I guess for like SNES is a pretty big deal. Hey, go fight a tower of bosses. That's pretty cool. And also, like, uh, you see Kefka's face sort of embedded in that tower at various po- points. And, um, uh, one thing this is true of a lot of Final Fantasy games, the Amano art of Kefka and the sprite work of Kefka don't totally match, both because of limitations of the of what they could do with sprites and because of uh, certain color balances that they could yeah. or couldn't do. Um, so, so what, it's what supposed it, to be yellow, right? Uh, well, yeah, he's very pastel. He has like yellow yeah. and yellow and pink robes and more white in his face and clown makeup in his face. Yeah. Where in, in uh, the sprite, his robes are red, green, and gold, and he has a sort of more normal facial co- uh, color tone for a light-skinned person. Uh, do we have a preference? Do we like the red and green robes or the crazy clown Kafka? 
I mean, they they tried it a little bit in the Steam version, uh, lest it not be named. But um, it I, I I I I like the original version, probably just because of nostalgia. I, I don't know. That's, that's to me, that's Kefka. Yeah, it, it, it's that red and green robe, you know, with the uh, with the weird um, facial animation, laughing. <laughs> that's what Kefka is to me. Yeah. yeah I don't know why. I guess the green just kind of works better. I think it creates a nicer contrast. I guess with the. With the outfit. The red and purple kind of match, but the green and the red is, yeah, more iconic. And with the uh, Dissidia sprites and skins, you can go to, you know, sort of the Dissidia unique art or the Amano art or a more red oh, and green I ensemble. I see that. I've never yeah. seen that. Mm-hmm. The costume work in the, in the PSP Dissidia games is incredible. So yeah. it, it's worth checking out for uh, fans of, you know, any of the characters in that game. But let's continue to Shea Serrano's um, villains questions. Uh, this category is called bonus footage. Is there a moment in Kefka's past or something that Kefka does that we know happened but don't get to see in game that we wish we could see in game? Like if Final Fantasy VI had DVD extras <laughs> that uh, and showed us new footage, what is some new footage that we wish we could see? Uh, I'll go into it a little bit. I, I, th- I want to see more of Kefka before he was insane when he was a uh, when he was maybe a brilliant military mind or one of Gestal's favorites before he was crazy and i want to see a sort of before and after the experiment but we don't get any of that we only have some npc side dialogue suggesting that those experiments are what made kefka crazy digging this dissidia design with the turban actually wow right? <laughs> they're really cool <laughs> sorry <laughs> no they, they like, are one they thing to be grateful for that new dissidia is like the models are so pretty <laughs> <laughs> indeed they are but uh, do you have any uh bonus footage that you wish was in the game or wish you could have seen I mean, I, I wish we had seen maybe a little bit more of him uh, post-World of Balance and the World of Ruin, um, just to kind of get a... a, a I think that... I, I understand why they did it, sort of putting him up on the tower sort of makes him this sort of godlike, untouchable figure. Um, but just... I, I would just like to have seen, like, him... Like, sort of his reactions to uh, destroying towns and things like that. Um, could have been cool. Um, and maybe just a little bit more to remind you sort of what the stakes are. Uh, but they do a nice job of reminding you of the stakes just with how horrible the world is. So, I don't know, it's just one thing that I might like to see a little bit more of. Cool. I, I basically agree. Like he's, he's a phantom presence for the whole second half of the game. And even when we see flashbacks of things like uh mobile is being destroyed, it's just, you know, like explodey sounds and flashes of light. and <laughs> No, no right. Kefka present at all. Yeah. I mean, even just like showing him jumping up and down, like a Sprite. I mean, that would have been something I think. Or literally <laughs> any dialogue. <laughs> right. <laughs> all right. So the next question um, this category is called Overmatched or Undermatched. Um, now Kefka is the main villain of the story, and of course there are 14 main heroes of the story, or 12 main heroes and then two uh, extra characters. Do we think that the uh, Kefka and these 12 or 14 heroes are evenly matched? Do, you, do we think that the hero performances are better or worse than Kefka's performance as a villain? I mean... The, the final boss is pretty easy, um, uh, just because That's true, Final yeah. Fantasy VI is easy. But um, I, I, I like, um, I mean, sort of thematically how um, they sort of balance, um, you know, what like the character stories who all have like these sort of uh, most of them have like these tragic backstories and short, sort of show like you were talking about earlier this idea of hope and this idea that you know people matter and things matter and building matters. And I think that sort of directly contrasts with what uh, Kefka is talking about there at the end. Um, and so I think that they are uh, more than evenly matched, um, certainly from like a thematic perspective to me. 
uh, regarding the performances, I think that Final Fantasy VI has a really good sort of main cast of characters, and yeah. there is a they're very likable. Terra and Silas yeah. in particular, I think, are two all time greats. So, uh, but so I don't know if Kefka really dominates, uh, or in terms of the most who's the most memorable character or the best character of the game. I'm not sure I would put Kefka ahead of Terra or Celeste. Yeah. Or even or even someone like uh, like Locke. Uh, yeah, the, during the clash-to-clash clash moments of the game, uh, f- because Final Fantasy VI isn't challenging outside of one or two areas, maybe, fighting Kefka always seems easy. But, I don't know, maybe it's because it's 12v1. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. uh, Steph, how do you think Kefka matches up against the heroes of the game? That's a good question, actually. Um, yeah, if they added some of the stuff to kind of expand his role, maybe I'd change my mind. But yeah, I definitely think the cast is stronger. It's such a big cast, and Six is one of the rare games that actually does a lot of justice to its giant cast. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing <laughs> that uh, at least... So he's uh, up against some really tough competition. You're absolutely right. Like, uh, maybe putting the two secret characters aside, the 12 main characters are all likable and all have unique designs, and it seems crazy that a game would have 12 main characters and all 12 of them would get story shine and good moments because i mean playing rpgs in 2019 it's unusual to see a an rpg or a big budget rpg with a cast of more than say seven right yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and final fantasy 6 had 12 and there it's a really good 12 that's uh that's impressive to me yeah no really i don't know any other game that can really do it that good yeah, I, mean, I think Kefka is the most memorable character, but on balance, I mean, like the twelve of them together—that's that's still what I remember about the game. It, it's sort Pretty of how fleshed out they as far are. As Final Fantasy villains too, because I find some of them are kind of crappy. Yes. Oh, we'll get into that in a little bit. But uh, <laughs> I, I have one last category to present to you first. This one's called regrets. Now, characters. Now, I don't think Kefka himself has very many regrets because that's that, that's not really in his personality. But no. who do? What characters other than Kefka? do you think have regrets about their actions that maybe could have prevented Kefka's villainy? Um, I, I have three suggestions, and I want you to add more if there's a, if, if you have them. Uh, first is Leo. I think uh, yeah. Leo is the most optimistic and sort of most noble person in that whole empire. And I think, and of course, I mean, he gets murdered for his, uh, uh, for, for that nobility, but I think he wishes that he had either killed Kefka or been more firm with Gestal, and then maybe... You know, in his fleeting moments before his death, he thought he thought he, thought he wished he had done that instead of getting, uh, you know, annihilated. And second, yeah, sort of sort of his loyalty that prevents him from, um, I yeah, think, doing it, the right thing in that yeah, circumstance. Yeah, yeah, his his loyalty and his goodness are what prevent him from yeah. just straight up executing Kefka. But maybe right, yeah. maybe he should have. Uh, and secondly, maybe most obviously, Gestal. Uh, Gestal is ultimately betrayed by Kefka, and I think he, Gestal wishes that he had either done more of it on its own or. Uh, Put or you know cut bait with Kefka instead of keeping him along as a useful psychotic magic user <laughs> uh, somewhere along his his imperial career. And uh, thirdly, uh, I think one of the more tragic characters in the game, Sid. Uh, Sid has a lot of regrets in Final Fantasy VI when he realizes the suffering that Magitech causes. He's 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 one of he's like he, the he main. He needed a redemption arc, not a fish eating arc. Yeah, and he, and uh, <laughs> there's a good chance he ends up dying for. Uh, you, you know, like, like you have. Like, there's a scene where uh, Celeste catches fish for him. I actually think saving him really kills the momentum of that part. Yeah, because you actually miss like one of the best scenes in the game if you save him. 
yeah, the most and, dramatic. Yeah, it's just like, oh hey, yeah. okay now, hey, there's a raft you can go. I'll be yeah, fine. yeah, but, but instead, right, like, bye. but in, yeah, but instead, soliciting rock, rock bottom and then finding Sid's letter and then using that to to leave the island that they're on, I think, is more powerful than Sid ending up okay. But Sid has yeah. a lot of regrets. I think he probably regrets his entire role within the within creating Magitek and creating the Empire, and possibly, I think also he was the person that did the experiment on Kefka, so maybe that's something he regretted at one point. Yeah. He regrets dying in that peanut suit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's That uh, that outfit is strange. Of, of I will all... never understand that thing. <laughs> like... I mean, of all the unusual you, uh, technologically advanced SIDS of Final Fantasy. And his face kind of reflects it. I don't think he gets it quite much either. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he's just really doughy, and having a suit that's even that, that's a, as unflattering as possible uh, it was to that end. Yeah, it sort of looks like something Homer Simpson would wear at work. <laughs> Ooh, that's a good theory. Maybe he's like you know he's dealing with like nuclear levels of magic, right? Or yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Maybe he needs to wear that suit to survive. Yeah, it's like a hazmat suit for magic. So, do we think there's anyone with more regrets in Final Fantasy VI than Leo Gastal or Sid? I was gonna say something rude. Say oh, it, Leo, for not tapping that. Ah, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> really uh, by that extension, I think Tara has some regrets too. Yeah, she's really sweet about it, though. She's really innocent and nice. I don't know, but without that, maybe she doesn't uh, take off her ribbon and then have her hair flow beautifully in the last scene in the game. Yes, she gets to have her moment. That, that, that's that's, that's very nice sprite work for 1995 or 94. Yeah. Whenever, that whole game is nice about. sprite work for 1995. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I love the blackjack tables too on the ship. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you know, just not to go totally off topic, but like Kefka's again tower boss sprite is just gorgeous. Oh yeah. Well, they're not really sprites, but I, I love the the monster and enemy artwork in Final Fantasy four through six. They're all huge and over the top and gorgeous and. Really... I actually found a, find a clown angel absolutely terrifying. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You want to give the people with clowns even more nightmares to show them Kefka in his final form. Yeah, I don't know who. Like, who do you think created, created more fears of clowns, uh, Tim Curry and it, or Kefka in Final Fantasy VI? <laughs> probably still, probably still it is my guess. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah that one's legitimately terrifying. Yeah, uh, right. and Kefka's just kind of adorable as a sprite, and it's right. just a factor outside of his own. Right. Uh, and the artwork is just too lo- the Amano artwork is just too lovely, so he doesn't look as fierce. <laughs> but you know, uh, speaking of um, other 16-bit era games, uh, this is a category called comps. Now, there's Kefka, I guess, fits two categories: a great villain of uh, the 16-bit era of video games and a great villain among Final Fantasy villains. Do we think that there is a 16-bit villain or a Final Fantasy villain that sort of stacks up against Kefka? Or uh, do we think that there's one that we can compare favorably to Kefka? 16-bit, I think, is hard. Uh, I mean, in terms of like really memorable villains, I think Pokey um, is certainly like the one who... It, sort of matches the surprise um, from Bert Earthbound. Actually, really um, good answer. Wow. I'm yeah. like dying right now trying to think. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, he certainly has, he starts out goofy like this, this kid next door who just sort of sucks and then becomes like a mega <laughs> villain for two games. And I, I, he's the only one I can really think of in terms of 16-bit villains. Oh, the one from Live Alive or whatever. 
Oh, I, I haven't played Live Alive. What's that? Yeah, I haven't like? either. So Live Alive is a square soft game as well, where you get to play as, I think it's like seven different unique stories of heroes across like different parts of history. So there's like a cowboy, there's like a, a fighting champ, there's a sci-fi chapter, there's a caveman chapter, a ninja one, and so forth. Anyways, you finish all the chapters and it locks a final one and it's this knight. Orsted. And so it, it kind of, it's sort of like a really nice story. It's like, he's a famous knight in this kingdom. And then basically this giant and, you know, and the, the king loves you and, um, and, you know, you're going to marry the princess and all that stuff. And then what happens instead? I am totally spoiling it. So skip ahead a minute, <laughs> but it's really good. Um, but anyways, so, you know, you're in favor of the king and all that. And then all of a sudden everyone starts to betray you and you re learn it's a big plot by your buddy to run off with the girlfriend and instead just turns him into ultra villain and becomes the main antagonist because of all the hate and malice and that one's actually really cool because they kind of again surprise it to you at the end like who is causing all this evil in the world in everybody's chapter it's this one night and his sad story uh, for me I, I don't know the only 16-bit uh, villain that i that i think is as memorably evil as kefka is maybe gemma who's or laja in final, in dragon quest 5 oh um, yes he, <laughs> he, absolutely he, he, oh yeah he does all kinds of bad stuff he murders your father in front of you he uh. he turns you and your wife to stone and uh and and then you have to Bianca? Sort of, uh, well whoever you marry bianca is only one of the options but and uh, and then you have to yeah, and, the right choice yeah i well okay no, the, to, totally different Ooh, podcast I like to a Dragon fan. get him a little upset uh I, i'm not a deborah fan but uh bianca's a treasure though and then uh laja sort of is the catalyst for almost all of the horrible things that happen to the hero in that game yeah you just can't catch a break with that guy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he's, and he's he kills your father and then enslaves you a minute later for 10 years. Yep, he kills your father. He throws you in a slave mine for 10 years. He turns you and your wife to stone, and then eventually you're rescued by your children uh, after after between 8 and 10 years of being a statue. <laughs> and then when you finally reunite with your mother after decades, he kills your mom in front of you too. Uh, yeah, Laja is horrible. But uh, but still, I don't think he matches up to Is Kefka. there a backstory there too? Uh, there's a backstory with you and your mo and your father and mother, but not really much with Laja. He's sort of the uh, he's the right hand man of the horrible demon that's uh, that's trying to take over the world, but uh, he, there isn't really a backstory with that. He just shows this up. This is just the inspiring story of like what was once an NPC, just a random villager, you know, and his family got slain, but this time he rose up and you know, decided to go fight him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dragon Quest V has an amazing hero's arc, but uh, yeah. but but uh, Vlaja is the standout villain of of Dragon Quest V, way more so than the actual final boss of the game. So maybe that right. disqualifies him versus Kefka because Kefka no. not only does he win, he's the final boss. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he at least has a high like... pedestal, so he's like totally irredeemable, but he does a really good job. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but then the sort of the other half of this question: How do we think Kefka matches up against other Final Fantasy villains? Um, I, I think his motivations are uh i don't, I don't know less uh, less determinable because again he it's like oh he was experimented on and now he's a psychopath and he becomes all powerful is sort of kefka's arc if you would, could even call it one but uh 
like Kuja and Sephiroth have these uh, sort of identity crisis kind of um, questions. Yeah. Um, uh, X-Death has a more involved ba- backstory than Kefka, even though he basically becomes a Saturday morning cartoon villain by the end. Right, uh, yeah. G- uh, Golbez has... It? I did not read X-Death like that at oh, all. Oh, well, it is. and it was just kind of pissy and just doing the take yeah, of the world. Yeah, well, the, there was a tree and an ancient civilization put all of, like, imprisoned the evil souls of all of their criminals into a tree, and eventually the tree became sentient just because it was being poisoned by thousands and thousands of bad people and then he became an evil sorcerer i can't believe i missed that plot point that was actually fantastic yeah, yeah you gotta talk yeah. to a, you gotta talk to a lot of people in the uh the forest of moor to, to to get that to right. get those plot points together but oh, I, I hate when it's t- hidden and stuff like that yeah and it's even in the you also have to go pretty deep to figure out what's going on with the void and uh and oh shoot who's the name and and uh who's the name of the evil sorcerer before a thousand years before x death uh oh gosh i can't uh, remember I can't remember, but Final Fantasy V has a lot of hidden backstory that's pretty yeah. cool. But storytelling, it, but not not a strength of that game. <laughs> yeah, the, the great job, job system. <laughs> great job system. Uh, a lot of buried storytelling that I wish was more yeah. text and less subtext. But like on the other hand, I feel like like I'm thinking a lot of Tales villains right now, just because you get to know them more personally. So it's kind of oh, fun yeah. to see like the ones Dou- you don't get to know much at all, and the ones you get really personal into. Going back yeah. into 16-bit villains, Douse is. A really a great surprise. villain in, uh, yeah. in, Final yeah. F- in Tales of Fantasia, especially when you get into sort of what his, uh, why he's doing what he's doing in the second half of the game. And you only find out like like in his dying moments too, and it's like, oh shit, <laughs> what are we? Uh, are yeah, we they, the baddies? <laughs> they hint at it a little bit because he, he's okay. almost he's almost like trying to trying to seduce the mana goddess at one point. You're like, what's this about? But at yeah. the end, you realize he was just trying to get her blessing to take a seed back to his home world, which was, which was dying. Are you speaking in euphemisms? No. <laughs> he wants her seed. Of course he does. Yeah, yeah uh, like, D- Douse's motivations are backloaded, and he's, um, and he seems almost like just a, you know, evil being of destruction for most of the game, but he ends up becoming more uh not relatable but at least more uh more forgivable than than kefka is by the end yeah but uh, but still i mean there's a reason we picked him for this episode kefka is tremendously impactful and one of the best and most memorable final fantasy or 16-bit villains he's he's awesome does it bug anybody that he is kind of based on like a joker idea i don't think he's directly based on the Joker. I think there's similar characters that had similar design philosophies, but I don't think that, you know, Amano and other and Sakaguchi and other square people in the nineties read a bunch of Batman comics and decided to make magic magic Joker. It's uh I, I it's I'm sure it's more uh organic than that. But uh, again I mean it's you, a great idea to have yeah, just a scary clown yeah, and a maniacal clown. I yeah, mean, a, an evil clown that's a psychopath. He's like destroying the world for fun almost and yeah, laughing and, about it while he does and, it. And I, I, I would yeah. use the I would use the agent of chaos phrase to describe both of them both of them as I did earlier. Yeah. But uh yeah, I, I think it's Kefka's a little bit more than just a Final Fantasy Joker clone, but um, yeah. but but he, he's a great villain design, regardless. Uh, that, I think that's about it for Kefka discussions. Uh, thanks so much for uh, for you know indulging me on my uh, Shea Serrano impersonation <laughs> fantasy, but um, but I think this is a pretty cool format for a podcast episode, and I wouldn't mind doing it again. So it's a fun series, no? I hope you keep up with it. Yeah, yeah and, and uh, I but. So I'm, I have one last question for both of you. Uh, across any video game RPGs, uh, what do you think would be a good subject for another RPG villains episode? You don't need to be limited to 16 bits or Final Fantasy. Uh, do either of you have a suggestion that comes to mind? Tales. W- which tales? That's a series, not a villain. <laughs> 
this. They have the best ones. Okay. No, there's actually a lot of potential here. No, I just kind of went, yeah, all space because, yeah, I'm just thinking about it. There's a good amount of villains here. Undertale. Oh. Undertale. Oh, my goodness, yes. Oh, boy. We <laughs> that would be amazing. A few of them. <laughs> yeah, a couple. I mean, I mean, one homicidal flower in particular, maybe. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Under, un- analyzing maybe who's the villain. There's Maniacal with a backstory, too. If you play yeah. the game a certain way, you are definitely the villain. Right. Oh, God, I hate that. <laughs> I hate everything about that. Ugh. Did you play the demo for Deltarune, too? I did, I, yes. I, I, oh. have, I, have not, I have not yet, but... Don't say anything, then. Oh, All give right. me a chill down my spine, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stuff. It's so, good. Play it, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I, I'll have to, because I did really, really love Undertale. Um, yeah. uh, Zach, do you have any specific ideas for a uh, future RPG villains subject? I think almost any Suikoden villain would be great. Um, I think Ooh, Luca yeah. Blight is sort of the obvious one, but in, in a lot of ways, he's very similar to Kefka. I mean, I think he's the only one who hand, holds a candle to Kefka in terms of just like sheer destructive force. If, uh, we, were, but, uh, if we were to revisit... I think he's definitely more crazy. He's yeah. not even like compelled by actually a goal. He just wants to kill. <laughs> I, I would really talk about Joey, though. I yeah, think he's no, a, more interesting to talk about. I, I think, oh, I think... we have a Joey versus Delita. So... <laughs> Right, and Delita would be my other suggestion too. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I love both Joey and Del- and Delita. I think that both of them are sort of great anti anti hero characters that are. Yeah. And I mean, if we if we revisited Sweetie and Two on the podcast, we had two Sweetie and Two episodes in September of last year. Uh, a who's the real villain, Luca, Joey, or the Beast Rune? <laughs> would yeah. be. Well, like Joey. <laughs> yeah, well, they, they, I think his Japanese name is Jay. O E I, and they accidentally call him that a couple times in Suikoden 2's pretty bad translation. Yeah. <laughs> so I, mean, I think that even like Leon Silverberg could be argued for that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not yeah. to analyze, but yeah, in terms of the villain of that game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It, it, it's a much less obvious. It's a much uh, more obvious question: Who's the real villain in for Final Fantasy VI than for Suikoden 2? That's for sure. Yeah. So we started you off easy, everybody, but I hope you had fun. Yeah, I, I had a lot of fun. I thought this was a... Uh, um, it's a good thought, start. <laughs> yeah, it's a good start. Kefka is a great subject for this kind of podcast. And if uh, there's interest among RPG fan staff and our listening audience, then we could definitely do a second RPG Villains episode. But right now, I'm not, right now I'm not prepared to talk about any of that. But I am prepared to talk about what's going on the rest of May. Uh, next week, we have our first of two Chrono Cross episodes that are being recorded right now. Peter is going to host them. Uh, I'm really eager to hear that Cruz... Uh, oh, Lavos! He would be a good choice. They? They, yeah. I'm not, with Lavos, I'm really not sure. <laughs> that would be a really good one, too. <laughs> and uh, Final Fa- uh, Chrono Trigger has a lot of great villains. I mean, you could, I could, yeah. pro- you could feasibly do an episode on Magus as well. Oh my yeah. god, I'm so excited about the series. Okay, That'd let's start awesome. planning. Yeah. All right, all right. We're, okay, maybe maybe we'll plan the next villains episode sooner than I originally thought. <laughs> but uh, but but staying in uh, staying in the pre- in the near future, uh, we're having two Chrono Cross episodes later this month. Uh, Marcos is going to be on those too, so you know they're going to spend at least 20 minutes on music. And um, we're and we <laughs> have uh, we have two other tribute episodes planned for uh, in which I am again mimicking formats of other podcasts one of them will be about a certain movie and one of them will be a friendly competition but i will not exactly say what those are yet uh but listeners if you want to contact us the best way to do so is to email retro at rpgfan.com you can also comment on rpg.com rpgfan.com's boards tell us what villains you want us to talk about yes yes please tell us what the villains you want for the next step for the next one of these episodes you can also do that on the facebook page on instagram on twitter on discord on twitch while 
Scott plays some game like a maniac, tell him tell him what <laughs> uh, what villain that I need to have on my podcast next. Uh, you can find links to all of those places on RPGFan.com's main page. Uh, there's also two other fine podcasts RPG Fan hosts, uh, Random Encounter about current events and Rhythm Encounter about RPG music. Uh, so please subscribe and listen to those. Also, review us on iTunes or Google Play or whatever podcast listening venue you use. We want feedback all the time, especially of the constructive variety. So, uh, Zach and Steph, how can listeners reach you, basically asking you how, to, uh, how your social media is set up? Uh, starting with you, Zach. Uh, so you can get me at Zach W on Discord, and you can also email me at Zach W at RPGFan.com. And Steph, how can listeners reach you? You can reach me through the site because I do the social media thing. Um, if not through there, you can actually check me out personally um, at Dice, like playing die, Dice SMS. And yeah, chat me up. I like talking back to everybody. Not like talking back, like mean things, but like talking and replying. Haha. <laughs> It's true. Steph loves talking, and Steph also is a very yeah. talented artist. So on your uh, yeah, come check out my artwork. That's yeah. Fun. On, on your Twitter Amazing. and Instagram is uh, some some truly lovely artwork, and the and the site is uh, is truly blessed to have you um, doing art for us occasionally. Uh, oh, I love doing it. Yeah, it's, it's always. <laughs> oh yeah, check out our Twitch. I did the emotes. And oh, you did. And help us contribute to having more of them in the future. Oh, excellent. Okay, I'm not that attached to Twitch. I I, I engage in extremely little uh, game streaming, um, so I, I I get that. <laughs> yeah, I, I think ninety percent of this of the stream watching I do during the year is during uh is during Evo, the grand fighting tournament in Las Vegas. I I always watch I Evo, but other other than that, I don't really do much on Twitch, uh, which I'm sure the RPG fan listeners that frequent Twitch Twitch have noticed. But yeah, yeah. Suggest emotes, suggest subjects for new villains episodes, any of that. It's absolutely welcome. If you want to bug me about the podcast or anything else, you can find me on Twitter at the Real Monsoon most of the time, at Evoker for Dogs other times. I'm also Monsoon Mike on Discord and Monsoon on RPG fans mostly defunct forums. Just go to the Discord, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Discord or disc- talk to us on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. Yeah, somewhere. yeah. Those four places, maybe not the forums. <laughs> the, the, the... <laughs> we keep pitching it. Go to the dead forum everyone <laughs> this seems weird to me because it's not I... that bad i know there's still a few people there but definitely the discord is way more active than probably the future yeah yeah agreed it, it's basically just uh an irc channel but with more features yeah <laughs> that's true if you're if you're, li- if you're living in the early 2000s like <laughs> i always am indeed but one last thing, I apologize for repeating myself, but this very special Kefka Palazzo episode was inspired by Villains, a podcast about movie bad guys hosted by Shea Serrano. Villains is one of my favorite podcasts and is definitely worth checking out. So before I end the episode, I'm going to quote the man himself. Listen to Villains or go to hell.